Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's Gary Parish. It's Friday, October 22nd, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And today we are continuing our conference previews in advance of the 2021-22 season. We've already done the AAC and the ACC. So now we're turning our attention to the Bs, specifically the Big East, because I think, I think the Big East alphabetically does come before the Big Ten and the Big 12. Do you agree with that, Deadleg? Does the Big East come before the Big 12 um, and the Big Ten, or does that numeral 12 come before the letter E? That's right. You messed it up. The Big 12 stylistically technically goes first, but here we are, so we might as well just talk about the Big East. Well, I decided I'm going to spell out all the words. Okay. So Big 12 starts with a T. That's true. E. Big 10, also a T, Big East, that's an E. And if you put all your letters right out in front of you that's right. and start from left to right, 26 of them, you're going to get to E before you get to T. That's correct. So here e- we are. E.T., good e- movie from the 80s. <laughs> Indeed, a movie from the 80s. We are talking Big East. Smells, I'm smelling like a four-bit league this year. Right, Villanova clearly at the top, though. Uh, we might as well start in the Wildcats GP because while there will be other good teams that emerge from this, and we've got our suspicions, we are in the we find ourselves in the spot again where Nova just seems to be a cut above, uh, you know, and some real separation from the rest of the league. It's the only, as you heard on our All American podcast from Thursday, it's the only team represented uh, in our All America teams from this conference uh, with Colin Gillespie, and might wind up even having. Maybe. We'll see. Might wind up having the two best players in uh, Gillespie and then Justin Moore, who I wouldn't put too, too far behind him. Um, but yes, it's Nova trying to get back to another Final Four and Jay Wright fresh off a Hall of Fame induction, uh, you know, reestablishing what should be that program supremacy in the conference. Yeah, I've got uh, Villanova fifth in my top 25 and one. And the next Big East team I have is UConn. The only other Big East team I have is UConn at number 23. So that's an 18-spot difference. And no other power conference has that big of a gap between the first team and the second team in my top 25 and one. At Kempom, it, it is a little closer. At Kempom, Villanova's preseason nine, and UConn is 21st. So there's a 12-spot difference between first and second there. Somewhat surprisingly, at least to me, there are two power conferences with bigger gaps at Kempom between its projected first place team and projected second place team. Can you name them? Let's call it a trivia well, time. I, does this need to be a trivia time? I feel like you're getting a little too nutty with the trivia times. But go, okay, so power conferences are the seven. I just I just start finding stuff when, I know. I'm, when I, I'm prepping. And I get really um, excited. I go, that could be a trivia time. So it's going to be Pac-12, UCLA, yep. and the gap between UCLA and Oregon, right? So it's it's well it for me at the top twenty five and one it is UCLA and Oregon, but um 
at Ken Palm, it's actually UCLA and USC. At Ken Palm, UCLA is number seven, USC number 20. That's a uh, 13 spot difference. And then I'm inclined to say it's the ACC with Duke and, and then is it FSU number two at Ken Palm? Look at you, you little genius. Duke is 10th at Ken Palm, Florida State 24th. That's first and second in the league, a 14-spot difference. So in the top 25 and one, I've got Duke 8th, UNC 15th, and then I've got UCLA 2nd and Oregon 16th. So that's a 14-spot difference. Again, between where I have Villanova and UConn is an 18-spot difference. Let me ask you this. Um, If this were a survivor game or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you had to pick a conference champion from the Power 5 plus the Big East and the AAC, miss this and you're dead. Like Squid Game, which team you picking? Villanova, Duke, UCLA, or somebody else? You got to get the conference champion right. I'm definitely picking Villanova. Me too. Yeah, got it. That, that just just they have the strongest case historically. This roster, recent history, the whole deal. Yeah, they, they won. They won at least a share of seven of the past eight Big East titles. Six of those are outright. They shared it in 2020 with Seton Hall and Creighton. And then they finished second in 2018 behind Xavier. And then, of course, went on to win the national title. Yeah. It's six double-digit scores on that national championship team. That team lost four games, but only twice when their best six were healthy and play. So they lost to St. John's, but they didn't have Eric Pascal or Phil Booth. And then they lost to Providence in that season, no Phil Booth. But the only full-strength losses that season for that Villanova team finished 36-4. and four. It was at Butler, at Creighton, both by single digit. That team was awesome. Yeah, I'm on record saying that's one of the five best championship teams of this century, basically. I said it in the moment at the time because of how dominant it was offensively. Uh, just, a, a, you know, the Jenkins title is going to be more remembered for obvious reasons. He hits, you know, uh, the only true buzzer beater to, uh, to win it uh, in, in tournament history. And we, we get all that. And they beat Carolina. But the, the team two years later was actually the better overall team there. This team won't be that for sure. Um, I don't see any way how it gets really that close to that, but it's still, you and I are, are in agreement, you know, preseason top five standing is, is the fairest way to go about it. And it's because it's got Gillespie back, you know, 14 and six guy, Justin Moore averaged 13 points last season. Jermaine Samuels opted to return for a super senior season. He averaged 12 a game. That's the core. And then Brian Antoine is a former, you know, high level prospect who has not had the start to his career that Nova fans were hoping for and some of that's due to injury he's still going to be injured to start the season but if he can rejoin and be a a big factor there I and I do think that he will that's another reason why I just I I put this Wildcat team uh, on the level that I do because traditionally you look at Jay Wright in that group and it's you know it's just it's they always have experience depth they play smart they shoot well Wright gives those guys a lot of individual freedom on the floor. He doesn't over... If you talk to other coaches in the league and really other coaches around the sport, they'll say that uh, Jay and his staff, um, they don't micromanage their players. Like, in within the context of a game, uh, you don't see a lot of that. And that's... I think that's taken a while for Wright to get to this point, but it is truly part of their culture there. And that kind of stuff can pay off. Um, it can occasionally minorly backfire as well, but it can really pay off in the big picture. And that's why Nova has ascended to the spot it's ascended to. And it's it's not only one of the best uh, programs in the country, it's, it's that way because of the fact that he has managed to get players to buy in, for the most part, stay. And then once you get to be a junior, senior, you can really pop and, and you can be part of this, uh, th- this amazing run that they've been 
going through, and I expect we'll continue to at least the tune of a number one, two, or three seed in March. He also adapted to how modern offensive basketball is played probably better than anybody, um, and, and certainly earlier than most at the top of the sport. You know, spread spread the floor, keep it spread, shooters everywhere, let it fly. I mean, like that, that 2018 team would just bombed you from every position. Yeah. Basically, they could bomb you. And so he adapted to that more quickly than, than most. There are other guys doing it now. Nate Oates at Alabama has adapted, um, you know, and, and is playing a modern style of basketball. But Jay was a little ahead of it, and I don't think there's any doubt that contributed to all of the success that Villanova's had uh, for a pretty significant stretch. They really only lose two rotation players from last season. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, that's a big loss. Um, Cole Swider, bring back four of the top five scores. It's a team that won the Big East last season by multiple games and brings back then four of the top five. Two of them are super seniors. I'd be surprised if they don't win the league by multiple games again, although it is worth noting at Kempom, their projected league record is 14 and six, and that's just a one game advantage over UConn. We'll see. Uh, I, I would, if I'd expect them to win it by multiple games, but so much of the fun of this sport is every season we get plenty of surprises and I, uh, you know, we'll get to the big picture of, of the conference here in just a second. But um, when we start here, you know, if you're, if you're wondering who's going to be in the mix to make a final four, I just find Villanova to be the most likely. And then we get to a couple other teams that are obviously going to make the tournament, but they just seem to be a clear tier below. As you could probably uh, tell by now, UConn does appear to be the biggest threat to Villanova if there is a threat to Villanova in the Big East. We're going to get into Dan Hurley's Huskies next, but first, check this out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So I've got UConn um, as the only other Big East team in my top 25 and one, which by definition, at least according to me, makes UConn the biggest threat to Villanova in the Big East. They're also uh, the second best Big East team, according to Ken Palm. And in the official Big East poll that was released earlier this week, UConn did come in second behind Villanova. So are you in line with all that? If somebody's going to win this conference other than Villanova, it'll be UConn. I am not in line with that. I think Ooh. if someone else is going to win, it's going to be, and this is, Ooh. it's going to be Xavier. Number one storyline for this year is right. Fresh off getting to the hall of fame, trying to make another final four run. I think that's the big picture storyline in the big East. Number two for me would be Xavier and UConn tussling for number two status and clear number two status. Like I think that those two teams are on, you know, a level to themselves before we get to the teams we're going to get to after this. I know St. John's fans, you're fired up. Um, 
I like Xavier. They get Zach Fremantle and Paul Scruggs back. Those are two preseason first-team honorees in the conference. Players that are going to probably combine. I think that Fremantle and Scruggs can probably combine to average 35 a game, uh, 35 points a game, 14 boards, uh, Maybe not 14, but pretty close to it. You know, Scruggs is awesome. Scruggs was a 14, 6, and 4 guy last season. And Xavier is finally getting to a point here where it's it's got the team. No more excuses. They haven't made the tournament. They haven't had a tournament-worthy team under Travis Steele yet. The Chris Max last season was what GP referenced to earlier when Villanova uh, won the uh, didn't win the league and Xavier did. Xavier was a one seed that season. Um, so I say... X at two, UConn just a tick behind at three, and if we think that Villanova is going to win this game by multiple, win this league by multiple games, you tell me that you know X and UConn wind up having the same league record, I'll believe you the whole way. Um, I got a couple of thoughts on the Huskies, but I'm going to kind of volley it back to you, and and yeah. you tell us why you like UConn too, and like, do you like them? I don't know, definitively more than Xavier? Do you think it's where I'm kind of at, where it's uh, it's actually a pretty close horse race once we get to March? I, I think it's close, and all of the um, all of the numbers, you know, the computer numbers suggest that it's close. But I would definitely put, it is clear in my mind that I would put UConn 2, Xavier 3. Xavier is a little complicated for me. I never know what to do with a team like this, okay? Um, they, they got strong computer numbers preseason. 26 at Kempom, 19th at Bartorvik. They bring back the top eight scores. So, like, basically everybody's back. That's right. Three double-digit scores. The two you mentioned plus Nate Johnson. They went 13-8 and eight last season. Finished 66 to Kim Palm, 6-7 in the Big East. So, this is where I struggle with this. Hey, they got everybody. Yeah, but they got everybody back from a team that was mediocre. What does that mean? What does that mean? You tell me. What does that mean? It means Kai Kai Tandy is about to... Uh bust one out here and have a huge season. That's what that means. Okay. Um, I I understand what you're saying. Uh, no, listen, let me be clear. I think they're going to the NCAA tournament. I think obviously think they're going to be better. I have them. I would have them as an NCAA tournament team, mm-hmm. but you know, I, everybody back from a team that lost more than it won in the big East. I, I have a hard time going. That's a great thing. I bring back former Belmont Bruin, Adam Kunkel, by the way. So like him doubt at your own risk i do understand what you're saying i i just think that this is good i like the fact that they bring back everyone and i do like their personnel overall and it was a weird year they played 21 games many fewer than others they had listen this i'm not making excuses for them a lot of teams endured this they just had covid ridiculousness hit their program multiple times and it affected scheduling and all that stuff so um i will take xavier over uconn narrowly um, but I do think that those are the clear-cut top three. UConn, if, what's interesting with me with UConn is this. Like, Fremantle and Scruggs, I think, were fairly picked preseason first team. Uh, you know, Scruggs, no doubt about it, is a top five player in the league. Fremantle's right there, five or six. Either way, I don't have an issue with it. With UConn, they got a lot of really good dudes. Um, who's going to be the best? Is it going to be RJ Cole, who was... Get this, 38.7% from two-point range and 386 from three. Like, he was about the same from both, and he needs to, he's, he's always been a high-volume player going back to when he played at Howard, but he has not been highly efficient. He averaged 12 points a game last season. I think he'll probably be UConn's best player, probably. Um, but Adama Sanogo, I think, is the one who's going to pop. He had 7-5 and five on average in 17 minutes a game last season. Um, 
Isaiah Whaley is a really, really quality player. Tyrese Martin, good good forward, 10-7 and seven guy. Tyler Polly, another fine player. Like I actually really like UConn's defensive ceiling, right? Hurley got this team to the tournament in year three, and I think he's going to do better than sustain that, right? I think that UConn will be above a seven seed. I put their ceiling at, say, a four uh, floor could be lower than seven. I just don't think it's likely. So mark me down for the Huskies being, say, a five seed once we get to the tournament. I like a lot of their pieces. Who is going to be the guy? But there's no doubt about it that they returned plenty from a team that was better than Xavier last season. So if you want to put them ahead of X, I got zero issue with it. And that that's why I, I would have them ahead of Xavier. You know, they as we noted, Xavier brings back the, the, the top eight from a team that was six and seven in the Big East. Uh, UConn brings back six of the top seven from a team that, you know, made the NCAA tournament from a team that was top 30 in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Um, they get Tyler Polly, a super senior season. Um, they bring in four top 100 prospects. Now, the one loss is a massive loss. Mm-hmm. It's James Bugdyte. And so they do have to figure out who's going to be the guy. And... I, I don't think they're going to have a guy who can do that. They're not going to have a, you know, somebody just come in and get the, you know, whatever, you know, 18.7 points that book night averaged last year. I don't think they're going to have a guy do that, but RJ Cole, Tyree smart. And one of them probably maybe both, they need to take a leap. Like they need to be better than they've ever been, but I don't think either one of them is going to be James book night. No, probably not. Again, a lot of really talented players there. I think the really enticing thing with UConn is it will be, again, it will be a reliable defensive unit. I don't think there's too much doubt about that because of the way Hurley coaches and what this team did last season. There's a lot to build on there overall. It was a respectable defensive team, ranked top 30 in per-possession defense. Uh, but um, I think it will grow to be top 20 level. I think, I think. Uh, offensively, can it get even more reliable and dynamic without Book Knight there. Who would who did now? They had to play some without him. Let's be fair. They had to play some without him last season. I think that will help them. Um, I just kind of wait and see on that. But that's that's the top of the league GP as far as I'm concerned. Right? There's no question. Those are those, those should be the top three, and and all of the computer stuff backs that up as well. Uh, circling back to Xavier real quick. Um, I don't know how good they'll be. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be in the NCAA tournament. They do need to be good. Like there, I just remember randomly throughout the season last season, like Xavier fans would be popping into my mentions yeah. about, about Travis. Like it, it is year four and you know, I've got to do a hot seat list in a, I don't know, next week, maybe, which I hate, I hate doing that. <laughs> I don't know why you don't take that from me, but I, I, I've I, had, done, I've done it in the past. I'll take it next year. Uh, we'll, we'll rotate. I'll take it next year. Hate it. But um, I don't think I'm going to have Travis on it. I, I wouldn't put him on it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to. But he has uh, zero NCAA tournament appearances first three years. 23-27 and 27 record in the Big East. Never had a winning record in the Big East. Finished six or worse in the league each of the past two years. Yeah. So he does need a, um, a, a breakthrough season. And I think the good news is that the breakthrough season is, is on tap. To your point about being that, the, that those three being the clear top three, um, everybody except Villanova, UConn, and Xavier, and those teams are all in the top 26, I believe, at Ken Palm. Everybody else is 50 or, or worse. So there is a gap, at least at Ken Palm, after those top three 
um, before you get to anybody else. Uh, some big picture look at uh, at the Big East here. So since it went to realignment uh, with the Catholic Seven, you know, convening to keep the conference name alive and all that good stuff in thirteen fourteen, um, it averages five point three NCAA tournament bids per season, uh, and its lowest it has been four, which was la- last season marked the lowest. I think it it might be a four bid league again this season. Um, we'll see. Uh, it, it it ranks uh, since it has existed. Um, as as you know, the the fifth best conference, fourth best conference since they went to this ten team now eleven team league, um, so it'll 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 probably be in that range again. Uh, I would lean probably toward fifth best. My other three headlines: Georgetown. What it does, what does it do with a follow up here? After making the tournament, I think by nature of being Georgetown, Patrick Ewing, they've got the preseason freshman of the year. What they do, Shaka Smart rebooting Marquette. And we'll get to these teams in a second. I just want to touch on the big headlines. And then my fifth headline, I actually think will be something that's uh, much discussed behind closed doors. And then I, th- I would think that by the end of the season, at the latest, we'll have an answer to this. And that is, will this conference expand or not? And if it does, I think there's only one candidate. Uh, is Gonzaga. You will hear Wichita State talked about as well. This is an 11-team league. I can't see it going beyond 12, and I don't think a lot of people want it to go beyond 11, but um, will Gonz- will the Big East try and get Gonzaga? Does that make sense? Um, in some ways, yes. In many ways, no. Uh, Gonzaga probably is going to be itching to get out of the WCC now that BYU is leaving. Or at least I could see why it would be itching to get out, but it might be better if it could somehow convince the Pac-12 to let it join again. Pac-12 has football, Gonzaga does not. Or Gonzaga would obviously go as a, as a Hoops member to the Mountain West. We'll keep an eye on that. But the Big East certainly, make no mistake about it, it has flirted with Gonzaga in the past, and I think that those talks will at least be seriously held and are being seriously held right now. Um, so I, I'll just open up a window. Before we get to the rest of the, the teams and, the, and my projection here, any thoughts on, uh, on those three headlines, GP? Like if I were the Pac-12, I think I would add Gonzaga as a as a um, all sports member. I would at least consider it all sports except football because they don't have football. Like you know, if if the ACC can take Notre Dame mm-hmm. um, without Notre Dame's football, I don't know what stops the Pac-12 from taking Gonzaga. Um, I'm sure a conference commissioner could explain. Well, there's this, 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 and that, but um, I don't know if you wanted to increase your basketball brand that's the obvious way to do it. And if you're Gonzaga, um, if you've got an option between the big East and the PAC 12 to take your sports, uh, you'd, you'd almost certainly rather go to the PAC 12. I I agree for other than geographic reasons. If you're the big East, you'd be trying to add a 12th team being Gonzaga. Cause if you do that, remember um, you will have soccer, volleyball, golf all these teams it's it, it it's actually so far away i it, mean it is like, come on, that's, a, that's a flight gp uh, like come on now like long i mean would you go in uh, providence to spokane exactly i mean what but if you I mean, do that if you're the here's the the reason why they're talking about it though is if you add gonzaga to your conference i mean it's undeniable at that point like you are at worst the third best conference in america for men's basketball at worst and you will actually have a chance in a given year to be number 1 or number 2 if Gonzaga can stay at the at the level it's at so that's why obviously you do it you add Gonzaga and it brings even more relevance to your name but it's on the other damn side of the country <laughs> it's a big country we live in a big country we do I, so i 
My guess is that that this doesn't happen, but I think that, you know, it's being discussed. Um, okay, let me roll down. Give me your thoughts. Here's my here's how I see the leaks. Here's how I see it shaking out. Nova, X, Yukon. Then I've got Seton Hall in the four spot. I think this is probably the toughest team to forecast in this conference. They are my dark horse. Um, they've got a, a really good second teamer in 6-6 combo four, Jared Roden, who averaged 15 last season. I think him and Miles Kale will actually probably combine uh, a nice one-two front court duo there. They'll probably put up more than 30 a night. Bryce Aiken's health is huge. If he can be fully healthy, it's going to be a game changer. He's a Harvard transfer who has just been snake bitten throughout his entire college career. Um, will we have a bounce back season for for Kevin Willard? He had an NCAA tournament team five years running until last season, which was just an average group. It went fourteen and thirteen. So we'll see. I've got the Hall four. I've got the Johnnies five. You know, you got Champagny back, big time player, really big time player. Might be the second best player in the conference. Nineteen and seven last season. Posh Alexander, he's. He, He's fun. David Cobb, that's David Cobb's favorite player. He loves him. And you know what? There's a lot of reasons to love him. He averaged 2.6 steals on top of 11 points, four dimes a game. Um, Golden Gate Mike will have this team near the top in, in tempo. It'll they'll, they'll get up and down the floor again. I, I think if you're a St. John's fan and you want to demand of your program this season that you finish in the top five of this conference, I actually think that's fair. Would you agree? Like when you look at what they bring back, Coming off of last season, St. John should have a top five team in the Big East. I think they should finish fourth in the Big East. Okay, you um, like them number four. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Palm has this as a four-bid league. Villanova, UConn, Xavier, and St. John's. Yeah, this is a year where you know I think Golden Gate Mike can be in the NCAA tournament, which is where he belongs as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> he's gotten there with all the other programs he's coached before, and it does seem like only a matter of time. I think... I got this as oh how about this so I have this as a four bid league this season I've got the hall in four but well you know we'll see where uh, where the Johnnies land and I could wind up being wrong on that I got PC the Friars right after that um, they got big Nate Watson seventeen and seven guy he's good uh, AJ Reeves is a wing around him I think he's fine then you try and fill in the holes from 2014 to 2018 Ed Cooley had. PC in the NCAA tournament every year. It's the only such five-year run in the history of that program. The Friars would have gone had we had a tournament in 2020, so they had a tournament-quality team there. Uh, now they're coming off a 13-13 and season. Seems to kind of safely project as an NIT group, but we'll see. I think the Big East actually will open itself up to having a team pop and be surprising. A team I don't think that will be, but I'm going to put them where they are um, because of the coaches, Creighton. They, uh, they lost more than 80% of their minutes from last. This is just a reset. GP. Um, they've had an NCAA tournament team in four of the previous five seasons, but they got this freshman, redshirt freshman. I'm going to try and pull this off right now. Roddy Andronikashvili? I'm going to have to work on it, but he is he will be one of the two or three best freshmen in the league. And so Creighton... Do his, do his name again? Ah, How about you give it a go? You want to give it a go? That dude's just going to be Roddy, as far as Roddy. I can And then it's A-N-D-R-O-N-I-K-A-S-H-V-I-L-I. Yeah, that's Roddy A. <laughs> Roddy A, there we go. That's um, Roddy A. We'll see. My bottom four, I was too high on Butler last year. Maybe I'm too low now. I got Butler next. Uh, Aaron Thompson coming back. Bo Hodges, he's injured for the time being, coming back. Bryce Enzi. Good stuff. Uh, Laval Jordan's in his fifth season. He made the dance in his first season. Butler like Butler would have gone in 2020. Clearly had the resume. We didn't have a tournament. But the bottom line here is I think BU fans haven't experienced this since 2018, getting to the tournament. It's been up and down. 
And he doesn't enter the season, I think, with as much pressure as, say, Travis Steele. Not a hot seat situation. But if I think Seton Hall is the toughest to project, I would put Butler number two on that. And then I finish out with Georgetown, Marquette, DePaul. Aminu Muhammad's the preseason player of the, or freshman of the year, excuse me, in the Big East. He'll lead the way. They've got Dante Harris back, lead guard for Georgetown. I think he'll break out. They lost... They lost Cutis Wahab to Maryland after, you know, I'd love to know the story behind that, by the way. Like, Patrick Ewing, one of the best players, literally probably like a top five all-time college basketball player, a big, you know, at that, develops Cutis Wahab into one of the most improved players in the entire sport last season. What does this dude do? He transfers out to Maryland of all schools. That's a stinger. So they don't have him. Citadel transfer Caden Rice is intriguing. And by the way, there's a young man on this roster named... Ryan Matumbo, perhaps you've heard. That's uh, that's pretty, pretty cool. But at G-Town, just ahead of Marquette, they'll have Daryl Morsell with Marquette. Shaka's building something, but um, listen, you know, I, I'm just going to set the bar low in year one, okay? They'll probably clear it, but I got them second to last. And then the other coaching change, Tony Stubblefield at DePaul. Um, they've got, a, the, the best thing I can say about DePaul is they got a player named Corvassier McCauley. And that can only main, mean one thing, GP. Hmm. Pass it to Cavassier. Oh. Pass it to Cavassier. Everybody sing it now. Sing it, GP. That's not going to be something you do uh, ever again, is it? Pass it to Cavassier. That's the biggie. Do I have to put Patrick Ewing on a hot seat list? I don't want to. That's one of my childhood kings. I would define hot seat in this way. If you are going into the season and you don't make the NCAA tournament, the overwhelmingly likely scenario is that you lose your job, then you're on the hot seat. If you tell me Georgetown doesn't make the NCAA tournament this year, will Patrick Ewing be fired? My answer is no. So I would say no. Don't put him on. Then he will be omitted. This is year five, though, and he's 26 and 44 so far in Big East games. Finished outside of the top seven in the league in three of his four seasons. Never had a winning record in league play. Obviously made the NCAA tournament last season, but that was an auto bid. That team still finished 13 and 13 overall, seven and nine in the Big East, 63rd at Ken Palm. And they are preseason number 76 at Ken Palm. So I, there's, there's not a whole lot of reason to think year five is going to be good, um, which might, you know, have him under real pressure heading into year six. But this thing, it hasn't gone well. Uh, I know that, you know, for a variety of reasons, it just, it, it hasn't gone well. And it's like one of the things I actually wanted to go well. I've said this many times, like Patrick Ewing having Georgetown awesome would be awesome. It just hasn't happened. Hasn't happened, but does have what's viewed to be the best freshman in the league. So there is some reason for some optimism. This is the best class collectively he's been able to bring in. We'll wait to watch him play at Maryland next year. (laughs) Oh boy. We'll (laughs) we'll see. The Hoyas have had, they've had their moments here, but they are not, uh, they are not projected. So you and I are on the same page then, right? We're on the same page. Four bid league. I think four bid league more likely to be three than a five. Ooh, I will go the other way. I'll say more likely to be five than Three, but the three are going to safely be in as single-digit seeds, um, and we'll yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm always intrigued by by the Big East because I like to see who kind of punches up and gets within shouting distance of Villanova. And for as great as Villanova is, I would just like I'd like to see them really get pushed here. So whether who, whatever team it is, I just uh, I always prefer to have co- big conference races be close down the stretch, and we'll see if anyone can break through. 
Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Macy O.T., legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my life. It's just so dumb. Everything about it. Dumb people arguing about masks and vaccines. Got that dumb football coach in the Pac-12. Yep. That guy, he gave up a $15 million contract. How dumb is that? If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. It really does help. So please go subscribe, rate it, review it. Five stars, nice comments, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.